Hello, hello, and welcome to the cornfield. I'm Jamie Beeman. I'm so glad you're with me for this very first episode of the Cornfield Podcast. I'm speaking to you from New York City. It's Pride Month here and around the country, and I'm seeing so much anger and so much、uh, backlash and criticism and and vitriol and outrage around Pride, and I, I you know. Every year, there's always a little bit of conservative right wing pushback against Pride, and they always sort of pluck from the footage they take of the Pride Parade the most outre、uh, elements of the parade and broadcast them to their to their、uh, viewing audiences to express, you know, look at these deviants, look at these out, it's outrageous, and there's some of that going on. But this year, it seems to be the whole thing seems to be creating a lot of.、Uh, A lot of division and a lot of、um, controversy, both within and without the gay LGBT community. So I'm going to start with a little story about Pride, because I came out in 1994, when you really couldn't be out, particularly in my business.、Um, it was really a political act to be openly gay, and because of what was happening at that time, I'm sure everybody knows we were in the midst of 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 the decimation of a whole generation of gay men. Uh, from AIDS, and a lot of a lot of silence from the government, and a lot of、um, misunderstanding and ostracism from the culture at large, and we really needed to step out and say, "Hey, we deserve to be here, and we need care, and our community is is struggling, and we're we belong here, and that's really where pride came from." And I don't know why exactly we got to this place. Where there's so much fracturing in our culture and in our community,、um, and this ever-expanding definition of what this community is, which seems to be anything but cisgender and straight,、um, which I just think is there's something wrong. There's something wrong. But primarily for me, what's wrong is that you have a young generation of people believe. That their experience of the LGBT, whatever their experience of that for themselves and the coming out process and the expression and the and the politics, it's theirs to claim. It's theirs to proclaim. I've seen some backlash,、uh, particularly from gay men and lesbians, because this new movement is very obsessed with、uh, gender. Uh, gender fluidity, gender spectrum, the difference between sex and gender, and transsexualism, transgenderism—that's kind of taking the microphone right now. And gay men and lesbian women are kind of being pushed to the side, like we're the new binaries, I guess. <laughs>、uh, my friend Melody said that gays are the new straights.、Um, we're the new oppressors, which I think is. Hilarious, <laughs> and、uh, you know, as an old white guy, I discovered pretty quickly that it doesn't really matter what other intersectionality I might have, what other oppressed groups I might be a member of.、Uh, that one trumps them all, and it's a very, very hypocritical double standard about what is considered a、uh, uh, lived experience that is, you know, makes you. Uh, above criticism, above、uh, any kind of questioning about、uh, your take or your, or, you know, on a particular thing based on what you've lived through in your life. I've been a part of this community for a long time, so I feel like I'm. I don't even use the word entitled. I, it, there's no reason to claim entitlement. I don't need to justify. 
uh, talking about my own experience, so I'm going to. <laughs> um, so I'm looking at what's going on, and I'm thinking, why are we suddenly having to defend ourselves against stigmas and misconceptions and fears in the public that we found our way through decades ago, that those of us who are here, who were there, we fought to, and we fought and we persuaded and we, and we created a, a mainstream cultural conversation. We took a lot of these stigmas off and I'm, and I'm, it's frustrating to me that suddenly we've got a young generation who a are acting like none of these things have happened. I don't know who's filling them up with ideas that we don't have all of these things. We should encourage them to know our history and what it took to get here in America for gays and lesbians, trans people who've long been misunderstood uh, and still are. And, um, and, and we've, they need to understand that we've done a certain amount of work. We've achieved, David, we've achieved for them freedoms that they take for granted and uh and and have some respect for that and some gratitude there's a there's a very very pronounced lack of humility it shouldn't take a lot for these folks to understand and to to immerse themselves in their history and who fought the fights and who died and shed blood and and underwent in enormous discrimination so that they today can marry the person they love. They today can walk into a room and ask people to use certain pronouns that they want to express their gender identity. If you're, if you're ascribing to an ideology, this woke mindset, this diversity, equity, and inclusion, you know, campaign for, um, to take back power from uh, oppressors, you know, who have, who have marginalized you. Um, if that's where you're coming from, right. Um, you're not going to have, you're not going to be open-minded enough to have an appreciation of what came before. One of the frustrating things for people of my generation is that, you know, we fought these fights. We battled to be able to be out and to be open about who we are and to still engage and be successful in society and to become a force in the market. You know, lavender dollars, we invented that. You know, we made the mainstream and our capitalist corporate society uh, take notice of us and our, and our buying power with our discretionary gay income and all of those things, you know. And some of us, you know, I'm pushing 60 here. And yeah, we'd like to kind of just have our lives. That'd be nice. We'd like to enjoy some of the fruits of our labor and relax a little bit. Uh, but do we think we're better than anybody else? Hell no. And you're just projecting, guys. Those of us who have fought for our right to have a voice, to have a presence, to be open about who we are. And I fought homophobia in every area of my life, including, it shouldn't be, uh, you may be surprised, but it shouldn't be surprising, within show business from other gay people. Gotta tell you. Um, so at what point do we get to be entitled to, to be here? And how much, how much uh, uh, attention and engagement and investment 
should we have to make in your movement, in your struggle, in your social project, when you're not even going to bother to understand where we come from and what we've done for you? I'm asking you a question. So I wore outrageous things when I was coming out in the 80s. I dyed my hair pink. I painted my nails. I wore eyeliner. I mean, we were pushing it, right? And I played Marlena Dietrich, okay? I used to, I used to impersonate Marlena Dietrich. And I appeared in Marlena Dietrich drag a lot of the time. Uh, Marlena was, I mean, Marlena invented genderqueer uh, 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 dress for women in the mainstream. She was the first woman to be allowed in the store club in New York uh, wearing pants. Uh, and, she, and the first movie that was released in America of hers was a movie called Morocco. And it's that famous movie where she appears in top hat and tails dressed like a man and sings this song. And at the end of it, she she kisses a woman. And oh, my God. But she was coming from Weimar Berlin. And that cabaret culture of, of pansexuality and gender play and all of that stuff. You didn't invent it, children. Okay? I think it would get much more traction and be much more exciting and, and, and acceptable if some of these folks would just stop lecturing us about it and just be it. You know, gender fluidity and uh, the subversive uh, power of playing with gender We've been, we've had this for a long time. Uh, and there are mainstream iconic figures like David Bowie and Prince and Annie Lennox and Grace Jones. I mean, there have been people who have walked that tightrope in between genders and made it a source of power and were diva and amazing and gave people permission to express themselves. Um, and they weren't necessarily gay. Or queer. They were just pushing. They were provocative and they did it with art and they, and they gave us music that lives forever. Um, they appealed to everyone, but they did it by being subversive and different and shocking and, and all those things. Now, when you see somebody trying to be provocative, they have to go to such incredible extre extremes. Like, I mean, really peeing on people while in a, I don't know. There is no reason for drag queens to be in a preschool. There's no reason for drag performers who are gay entertainers doing exactly the act that they do for dollar bills at their local gay drag extravaganza club. There's no reason that those things should be exposed to children and brought into the schools. Um, really. There's such thing as a family-friendly drag show. There's nothing to be ashamed of with drag. It's been part of our culture forever. I was a female impersonator for a decade. Receipts. Here you go. Lived experience. I knew some of the greatest drag people of, of our time. Okay? It's part of our culture. And the reason it's in public schools is because woke white women who aren't even part of our culture are appropriating something and plopping it down in front of children. Um, but what it does is, and they're not, they don't care about our community. They don't care about our movement or a civil rights struggle. They, these people don't know about it and they don't care about it. They've got a, they've got their own agenda. Okay. 
But, you know, cultural appropriation from our culture is okay, but not from other race cultures. Hypocrite. If you're going to give us hard, rigid rules about what social justice is, then you better play by your own rules. We did things. We accomplished things. We have things to offer to kids. And I'm here today to say to y'all out there, from the cornfield, I believe in what Buck Angel is saying and what he's doing. It is time for those of us of a certain age to be the gay mentors that these young people need, if they're willing to listen, to be the artistic mentors for the new generation of young artists who are coming up and trying to express themselves and being told, you, can, you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do these activisms, activism's great, right? Disruption is fine. There's a season for children and young people to make fools out of themselves and to scream at the older folks that we've ruined everything. But I'm not going to allow children to be sexualized. I'm not going to allow children to be put into learning situations with people who identify as maps, people who are out and out diddlers. I'm not going to take the heat legislatively and in terms of my rights, in terms of all the work that I've done to be able to be a force for, for gay positivity and to be this person that I am. I'm not going to let that be taken away because people who aren't from my community are appropriating shit and throwing it on children too soon. It's just, you know, identity is a tough thing. And if we don't if we don't give children a chance to develop their own inner intuition, because that is, we have innate knowing, intuition, and we have an inner knowing of who we are, that it's different for everybody, but it develops over time. We know it's right and wrong. We, unless, you're, unless you've been very badly damaged and you've got certain psychological issues, we know it's what it feels like when somebody's attacking us in a way that is awful. Look at the positive role models who are here to say, this is who I am. It's different from who you are, but we can be together in harmony and with a commitment to giving our children a better childhood than we had and preparing them with inner resiliency, with open-mindedness, with kindness for others and consideration for others and grow up to be the worldly people that I think people really want them to be. But this stuff, this programming, this, I mean, I bristle at being told what I'm allowed to say and what I'm not allowed to say and where I'm allowed to say it and what I'm not allowed to say and how I'm not entitled to have certain views or to talk about certain subjects. I can just imagine what you're doing to these kids. Don't stifle their creativity and expression. Let it flourish. That's the time to do it. And to my, and to my yelling, shrieking, pink-haired, septum-pierced friends, if you're going to be punk, don't be so conformist. Y'all look the same. Y'all look the same. That's not gender fluidity or gender expression. That's drag, honey. You're all wearing the same damn drag. Have your outfits. Change your pronouns daily. But don't tell this culture that my sexual orientation and my identity is a fetish or a choice. I fought that fight. I'm not going to fight it again.
What you're doing is a choice and you're choosing it and you're being activist with it and good for you. And be as provocative as you want, but eventually you're going to have to grow up. And I hope I'm here to see it. I hope I'm here to see it. And I hope that by the time that day comes, when you've stepped into your full adulthood and your responsibility to the society at large, not just your own community or not just your own self and your TikTok followers. I hope I'm there to see it. And I hope I'm there to encourage you and applaud you. I'm here. I'm queer. And I'm here to help and I'm here to contribute. And, uh, and I, I want to be a force for good. And I want your kids to be happy, well, well-grounded, self-loving, confident adults. And to you, I say thank you for being here with me. Stay tuned. Stay strong. Stay strong.